Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Pink Sheets Farmer Regulatory Podcast. I'm Derek Ingery, a senior writer at the Pink Sheet, and I'm joined by fellow senior writer Sarah Carlin-Smith, senior editor Brenda Sandberg, and executive editor Nielsen Hobbs. Today is June 4th, 2021. We hope those of you in the U.S. enjoyed the Memorial Day holiday. We returned from a long weekend with some very interesting FDA-related stories. First up is regulation of stem cell clinics and other cell therapy products. The FDA ended its more than three-year policy of enforcement discretion for human cell, tissue, and cellular and tissue-based products on June 1st, meaning that manufacturers and clinics of the largely unregulated products now could face penalties and other enforcement measures. Brenda, you looked at some of the issues now facing the agency and the sector. Yes. Um, the day after the enforcement discretion period end, Pew uh, issued a report, and they called on FDA to take more aggressive enforcement action you know, to do more inspections and um, um, issue more warning letters. Uh, FDA has issued warning letters and they they um, they filed two suits seeking injunctions against two different clinics. And the, the outcomes so far of those two suits have been very divergent. One court in the Southern District of Florida granted FDA summary judgment. And so they, they concluded that um, these products were subject to FDA regulation. And on Wednesday, the Seventh Circuit upheld that decision. Um, and then in the Central District of California, there's a suit against another clinic. And the judge there uh, denied FDA's request for summary judgment and said it, the, the, the question had to go to trial as to whether um, th these products were exempt from FDA regulation. It all comes down to this um, this uh, exemption, it's called the same surgical procedure exemption, where if you take cells from the body and they're the same cells and you and during a surgical procedure, you just move them elsewhere in the body, then um, then it's exempt from FDA regulation. And the judge in the Central District of California said, well, both parties had presented evidence uh, as to whether or not they were the same cells. Um, you know, FDA had said well, the, that in in um, removing these cells from the fat tissue, that whole process changed them when they were moved elsewhere in the body. So he said this this had to go to trial, and there was a bench trial last month, and um, I expect that his decision will come out in the in the coming months. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting topic. It, it's been an interesting topic for a while because, like you just said, that you know the the, there, there's varying opinions. I guess you could, you could probably is a nice way to characterize it on what these products are and whether they're drugs or not, or you know, and and so forth. And 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 there's of course bad actors out there as well. But um, I, I'm really curious to see how the FDA, you know, kind of approaches the enforcement of this because it's not as simple as okay you know, game on, sort of, we're going to go get everybody that, you know, we think is doing something wrong. They they have to kind of, they have to think about, well, you know, a lot of these are, these products actually benefit patients. Patients are using them right now. So you can't just unilaterally just take, you know, go in and shut places like this down without making, you know, kind of having that kind of, um, you know, that benefit risk assessment, so to speak. So they they have to continue with this, get, you know, doing this kind of risk-based approach. They, they've had, they've got like a list of, like, I believe it was 400 at least of 
um, uh, facilities and manufacturers and so forth that they sent what were called it has come to our attention letters uh, saying that you know we we think you might be you know you might you might have some compliance issues so get those taken care of before enforcement and the discretion ends and um, the agency has said that you know kind of this is not going to be the database for early enforcement and so forth we're going to think about it some more but uh, I, I I think this is going to be it's going to be really interesting to kind of watch how they how they handle this. Another thing the Pew Report uh, pointed out that there's been a proliferation of these clinics and um, I talked to someone who um, was involved in the research for the report and she said anecdotally anecdotally, there are now more than a thousand businesses offering these um, stem cell research and uh, regenerative medicine interventions and um, they looked at how many adverse events have been reported. And I think only five were reported through FAIRS, the FDA's database. And um, they were finding, most of them were through the literature, they were finding um, incidents. So that's an, another issue because these clinics don't have to or don't report adverse events. And um, there's been different uh, reports of how, how um, you know, how many there are and how severe there are, their hospitalizations, infections. So, it's it, it's a, a really important thing that um, a product that could be so dangerous is is you know in some ways um, been able to uh, skirt FDA regulation. That was I heard a similar um, thing to you, Brenda, in terms of just the proliferation of the field just in the years that FDA was doing this enforcement discretion. So I think um, some folks who would like FDA to take stronger action have told me that they felt like the period of enforcement discretion was just way too long and allowed the field that now FDA has to deal with to blossom <laughs> to blossom in a way that it's going to make their job harder now. Um, so that's something FDA can, has to contend with because, um, you know, they tend to say that they're just not resourced to go after everybody. And these are a lot of sort of smaller clinics scattered around the country. It's not like a few big businesses for them to go after. Right, right. The uh, It's interesting to think through kind of what FDA, you know, was hoping would happen or hoping would be accomplished through the uh, the discretionary period. So if they were hoping that, that sort of kind of would sort of allow people to sort of come in compliance on their own, it doesn't seem like there was sort of a flood of uh, applications or uh, sort of efforts to make that, uh, that work. So it could sort of kind of uh, make them think, uh, Twice about perhaps the next time they sort of kind of want to do a uh, um, a discretionary effort uh, like this again, uh, Derek. I was uh, thinking uh, um, about the uh, it has come to our attention letters, and uh, I don't know how uh, frequent those will become, but uh, I'm worried about what the acronym will look like if they uh, become as uh, commonplace as a CRL. So hopefully, uh, FDA <laughs> will come up with something uh, something else on that uh, on that question. And then, uh, um, you know, Sarah, I think you made a great point about. Uh, Resources. I know we're kind of uh, going to have a, a producer renewal next year, and it doesn't seem like this will be included in it. But uh, you know, obviously, we're going to have been uh, legislative iterations of uh, FDA authority. You look back at the, uh, the, the 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 compounding laws that we now have, and those were sort of driven by uh, uh, tragedies. There was obviously sort of kind of a uh, a long history of uh, problems there, but then sort of kind of it caught uh, national attention, where a number of people uh, suffered infections and. Uh, even uh, even some deaths, uh, and so uh, uh, if there's a lot of attention to this, and through kind of some uh, um, something that sort of kind of can can garner a lot of attention, you you could see sort of perhaps a uh, 
a shift in sort of kind of what FDA might be able to do and uh, sort of kind of public attitude on this. But uh, for now, I think we're probably going to sort of be uh, in a uh, a frame where sort of kind of uh, you know FDA sort of kind of can sort of kind of uh, 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 get attention at, on on certain small areas, but sort of it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of wildfires that they'll have to be sort of kind of putting out uh, um, all all over the place for a while. Yeah, the I mean the the agency's response to the uh, to to the uh, New England Compounding Center uh, you know tragedy was we we really don't have the adequate authority to regulate this. It's kind of I believe they were saying it was like ambiguous and there were questions whether they could go in and do anything and to kind of clean a lot of that up and that that kind of spurred at least the legislative uh, movement to kind of get them you know make it make it clear that they could regulate compounding. Um, whether we'll see this with that with uh, with something like this, I don't know, but it's certainly something I'm, I'm I'm wondering if people are starting to think about. Next up is President Biden's budget request for fiscal year 2022. The FDA would receive 6.5 billion, which, if enacted, would be a 7.9 percent increase from the FY 2021 spending level level. The keys the key phrase there is if enacted, because typically budget requests are only a wish list of items on the president's agenda. But the FDA also included estimates of future activity in the document, which illuminate its thinking about operations after the pandemic. The agency estimated that human drug program inspections would skyrocket in FY22 after pandemic-related restrictions forced almost all in-person visits to be postponed. The agency expects to conduct only 150 domestic and 40 foreign inspections in FY2021. FY but the following year, it projected 1,695 domestic and 1,360 foreign inspections would be conducted. The FY 2022 level all would represent a return to more normal pre-pandemic levels. The FDA also requested additional funds to hire more staff to help eliminate its inspection backlog. So for the panel, what do you think of this number, especially the foreign inspection number, which would be a high over the at least the last decade? Can the agency get this done? Maybe, uh, you know, other do you do you have any ideas on how they could get this done? I mean, it seems like it's higher, but it's not completely without, you know, I, you know, out of the ballpark of the norm of the, the past years you know, outside of these COVID years, I guess um, one question is, while the U.S. has certainly gotten COVID under control um, to a certain degree, um, what are the obstacles public health-wise in the countries they will be going to, and will that impact um, their work? I mean, it's pretty shocking to me, actually, in some ways that there's so many fewer inspections in 2021 than 2020. Um given that, um, again, at least um, nationally within the U.S., we've, um, this year has been, it seems like a bit better in terms of disease control and vaccination status and so forth. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I thought that number was a little weird, too. I kind of did a double take looking at the FY 2020 number versus the 2021 number. But I mean, they, they, they did, were, they were able to do, get a lot of stuff done before, you know, kind of March of 2020, it looks like when when things got really, you know, bad and the restrictions started going in, they had like a was that almost like five or six months to kind of get a lot of stuff done. So, um, yeah, that so they so it, it it's kind of a it's kind of a weird uh, a weird number. But um, oh, you know, yeah. I I think I was thinking about um, 
I'm, you know, it's, it's the fiscal year calendar year thing. I think that threw me off a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that throws everybody off. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I always, uh, am, uh, uh, greatly annoyed with companies that we're going to use a off, uh, um, off calendar year fiscal year. And I think that's, we're kind of going away for the, uh, the most part, but there, uh, there still are some that are going to follow this, uh, federal government pension for sort of confusing people. So, uh, it's a, uh, um, it's just one of those, one of those quirks. But yeah, it will be, uh, I think it's going to be interesting how they, you know, what the, F the FDA's approach to getting into a lot of these other countries. I mean, even if, you know, I mean, the, the travel restrictions haven't been lifted everywhere yet and you still have, the, I mean, you have a, you have a surge going in, in India right now where there's a lot of, a lot of facilities, you know, there's potential for more surges, you know, coming up. So as as we try and get the rest of the world vaccinated. So, you know, I'm really curious about how, you know, how this how this goes forward. Yeah. And even if, uh, you know, they're able to sort of do uh, more inspections than, than, than normally do, my uh, sense is there are a huge number of uh, um, inspections they just didn't do last year and sort of they've got us sort of, they can't sort of double what they're uh, doing even if they're uh, successful in sort of doing uh, um, doing a, a, a large number. So uh, um, there are going to be sort of uh, um, gaps in uh, what they're able to uh, to look at and perhaps those get filled in with sort of kind of uh, you know, more uh, continued remote inspections or, uh, you know, sort of the, the paper assessments and uh, the stuff that we've been writing about in terms of, sort of, kind of how they're trying to sort of, kind of uh, make up for the lack of uh, um, eyes in the plant uh, um, during this past uh, um uh, year and a half almost of uh, um, of COVID, and uh, you know I think you're absolutely right. I think that even in the U.S. we're probably going to sort of see some uh, um, some resurgence of uh, you know sort of COVID perhaps over the winter, and uh, um, obviously elsewhere as uh, um, as well. It remains a possibility that sort of kind of that uh, um, plans are going to have to be adjusted. And I think that the uh, the new flexibility that they've created in terms of sort of the alternate uh, inspection possibilities. Uh, Will serve them well as they are going to have to sort of, kind of adjust on the fly as to uh, um, as to where they're able to go and what they're able to do. Yeah, if you if you were wondering whether or not there's appetite for ins for inspections, I mean the um, Spectrum Pharmaceuticals on June first put out a press release saying the FDA had started inspecting a facility, you know, for um, for its GCSF product uh, Relantis, which is a proposed treatment for neutropenia. So, you know, they, they actually thought the start of the inspection was an event worth telling investors in the larger public, the public at large about because it, I mean, it was in part because the, the inspection had been delayed. But that that just shows how how big a deal a lot of these uh, you know, these inspections are for a lot of these companies. So finally today, a positive note on hiring at the FDA, coincidentally, on the same day that the government released its May payroll figures. CEDAR Director Patrizia Cavazzoni said recently that its hiring is tracking toward exceeding its net gain of 100 employees that was seen in FY2020. That's good news as the agency previously had not been able to keep up with departures. In FY2019, the agency had a net gain of just 20 employees. Cavazzoni suspects that the increased flexibility to work remotely had something to do with it. But we've all become accustomed to working remotely over the past 16 months, and Cavazzoni added that the FDA is looking at how it can continue that flexibility after the pandemic. So what do you all think of all this? Could we see White Oak reimagined into a more virtual working environment like so many offices around the world are considering now? It seems like it really depends what 
jobs they're looking at, right? Because we know that FDA has certain positions where they need people like physically in lab, mm-hmm. you know, and other things. But I, I, I guess I could see um, office, some more, you know, office computer oriented jobs, potentially if they can deal with different security issues and so forth, being more remote. Um, but that's sort of a broader, I think, U.S. government, um, you know, issue. Um, and they tend to it tends to be a bit more complicated. So even if FDA really wanted that push, I'm not sure how, you know, easy it would be to sort of get out from under the broader U.S. bureaucracy of how that gets done. Yeah, I, I still remember one of the first times I walked into the White Oak headquarters, which is this big, huge set of it's now a you know set of multiple buildings in in Silver Spring, Maryland. And you know, thinking I'm going to be seeing all kinds of like labs and people in white coats and you know all this kind of stuff. And it's it's like there's lots and lots and lots of cubicles. And I said, wow, there's like all these cubicles here. And he said, yeah, we do lots of work like that. There aren't there are labs and stuff like that, but it's not like what people think where they're, you know, it's like scientists working on benches and, you know, in like what you would consider a lab and so forth. So, yeah, you know, you you would think that they could, you know, if, if they could get the permission, could redo a lot of this stuff, a lot of the, the office space in there and maybe make more conference rooms and have like, you know, um, the idea of having more kind of small spaces for small meetings or Zoom calls and and so forth. But uh, yeah, it's a you know interesting thing to think about at this point. I think uh, you know, sort of uh, you know I know that uh, um, we're kind of reimagining our offices a bit, and I think uh, um, uh, you know uh, uh, everyone else uh, um, who's sort of kind of uh, been stuck at uh, um, at home with us sort of thinking about how this might. Uh, change and so there may be some more flexibility in terms of sort of the federal government's uh, um attitudes to attitude towards all this and uh, uh I, I suspect that fda will forget what they uh what they're hoping for in terms of sort of the flexibility they need to uh implement implement, uh, implement that it was a uh an interesting uh um uh you know challenge for uh, uh to kind of sort of to uh to take over the temporary reins and now to take over the permanent reins as a uh, um in many ways a remote uh, um Director, like you did not, uh, um, it, you know, was not able to kind of to to have those meetings with uh, with staff and sort of kind of uh, you know establish that rapport as a, in, her, in her new role and sort of kind of uh, you know I imagine sort of she uh, she appreciates sort of kind of what the uh, what the flexibility sort of kind of does in terms of sort of kind of uh, staff morale, but uh, you know sort of like uh, like all of us, she wants to sort of connect with her uh, um, you know with the people in Cedar and she'll sort of want to uh, want to make sure she can. Uh, um, she can find ways to uh, to meet with them. So uh, um, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. The other thing I think is important, um, I mean, and she sort she highlighted it in the remarks, and you highlighted it in her, your story, Derek. Is she says, you know, this is sort of a, hypo- a hypothesis, right? Um, in terms of the flex that the flexibility of location and so forth made it help them with their hiring. So um, you know should be sort of careful in taking that as, you know, a fact until they have more data on what maybe made um, their hiring process go more smoothly. And they, the other thing I thought was particularly notable is they talked about how much the 21st century cures hiring um, authorities also help them as well, which, I mean, it means um, in many cases much higher salaries than the government can normally pay and also just being able to kind of speed up the hiring process. So I think you can't also um, 
undercount that either. Yeah, we should we should also note that you know plus a hundred net gain is is you know is good and laudable, but the cedar has been it's been well known that cedar has been down several hundred positions for many years now. And just the the total number of positions they're allowed to have, and and that's not because of it. It's because they they just a lot of times there's only a few experts available in the world for some of the things they need to do and they need them they need people for and so it's hard it really becomes really difficult to you know to hire them and so forth especially with their the constraints of the government bureaucracy and so forth um i mean the other note that i thought was interesting that was uh, mentioned in here was that cavazzoni said that during the pandemic cedar staff absorbed at least the equivalent of 250 full-time equivalent employees that that's unbelievable I still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah, well, as we, uh, as we, as we know, they did it by, uh, you know, working weekends and uh, um, incredibly long hours, and uh, just for kind of making sure that all that uh, essential code work got done. And uh, um, so it was a remarkable achievement on their part. Yeah, and it also explains why they're 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 becoming uh, hyper focused on you know ensuring you know work life balance and 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 making sure that uh, employees can you know, fight against burnout and, and so forth, and even turnover, um, you know, at, at, at those levels. So, uh, you know, all in all, if they come out of this with morale still high, as uh, Cavazzoni says, they'll be, uh, that, that'll be an achievement in itself. Well, that's all for this week. For more, check out our website at www.thepinksheet.com. You can also find this in previous podcast episodes on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Spotify by searching for Pharma Intelligence. And if you're so inclined, feel free to give us a review. Thanks again for listening to the Pink Sheet Pharma Regulatory Podcast. I'm Derek Ingery with Sarah Carlin-Smith, Brenda Sandberg, and Matt Hobbs. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>